0: If Satan is still mad about the way you lived your life 150 years after you die, isn't that an amazing legacy? Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton. We've got a little different format for you this week on VOM Radio. Last weekend was our last conference for this year down in Texas, and I had the privilege of being one of the speakers for the conference. By the way, we're working on next year's conference schedule right now, so you can watch vomevents.com to see when we'll have a conference near you. I love the opportunities that I have to speak at VOM events, and I thought I'd share with you this week what I shared at the conference in Texas, focusing in on some of the lessons that I've learned from the persecuted believers that I've had the incredible privilege of meeting, because I think they're lessons that all of us can benefit from, as we seek to follow Christ. I hope this is a blessing to you. I'm going to tell you some stories today of some Christians that I've met over the years. And and the reason I do this, and it's very important that you understand this, this is not to say, look at those guys, they're super Christians, and we're lowly American Christians. No. Look at those guys who serve the same God that we serve, who is just as powerful in Texas as he is where they live. It's not a matter of they're super Christians and we're not. It's a matter of how committed are we to the same God that they're committed to. And they're committed with everything they have. I want to share some of the qualities that I've seen in their lives, not because they're super Christians, but because I think these are things that, that I can incorporate into my life as an American Christian. I think you can incorporate it into your life, where you work, where you serve, where you go to church. So let's look at some of these brothers and sisters, and I want to start out with this verse, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can Google and that word witnesses in Greek is the word martyr. You will be my martyrs in all these places and in Texas. You will be my witnesses. We have the idea that to be a martyr, you have to die. No, nope, that's not the New Testament idea. The New Testament idea is you have to be a witness. You have to tell. And so the challenge for us, is to be those witnesses. Think about that when you read the New Testament. Acts 12.1 talks about a great cloud of witnesses, a great cloud of martyrs that's cheering us on. The first martyr or the first witness that I want to talk to you about today is a man named Hussein. When you do ministry in Iran, you're going to have challenges. He was at a house Bible study meeting in an apartment when the secret police came in and raided, They had just received 500 Bibles that were in one of the back bedrooms in three boxes. The secret police came in, they videotaped all of the people who were present, they searched the apartment, they pulled the books out of the bookshelves, they pulled the pictures off of the walls. Hussein said at one point one of them reached down and picked up a needle that had fallen between two of the floorboards, but they did not find 500 Bibles in the back bedroom. They arrested Hussein. They took him off to jail, and they started questioning him. They asked about the Bibles, and he was like, you know, those Bibles were actually in the back bedroom. They were just sitting there. Of course, they found them, but he was very careful, and he's praying, Lord, give me wisdom, and it turned out they were asking about the two Bibles in his backpack because they never found the 500 at the apartment. Now, when they took Hussein, the first place they took him, they put him in a solitary confinement cell. There was a a big floodlight on the wall that was on 24 hours a day. They would throw water in the cell to make the floor wet so that he couldn't lay down and get comfortable and rest. And Hussein said when he got to that cell, he was in a panic. And I said, thank you for sharing that brother because that's exactly what I would be doing. And he was saying, Lord, what are we doing? What's this, what's gonna happen to me? What are those people that got arrested? What are they gonna say? Is my story gonna match their story? What's gonna happen? What are we gonna do? And he said it was like God just came to the cell. I want you to see this quote. It was like Jesus put the whole world aside, and he came to spend time with me. And Hussein said the first thing that he really sensed God saying, and he said he heard the voice of God, the way you hear water when you turn on the tap. And he said the first thing was, why are you so upset about what you're going to say? I'll tell you what to say. And he said, instantly, the peace just filled him. The panic and the fear and the crazy thoughts just went away. And God was there. Here's the first quality of a martyr, of a witness, that I want us to grab a hold of from Hussein's story. Witnesses hear from God. They hear from God when they open the Bible. They hear from God when they go in their prayer closet. They hear from God when they go to church on Sunday. Witnesses hear from God. And when God says, do it, They do it. If they read in the Bible that we should do this, then that's what they do. Interesting concept, isn't it? Witnesses hear from God. The second quality of a witness that I want to share with you is that witnesses serve God wherever they are. This is Zhang Rongliang. He's the leader of one of the largest house church networks in the nation of China. This is a guy, by the way, who spent about 25% of his lifespan, he has spent in Chinese prisons because of his Christian work. Not very long ago, he was released after serving a seven-year sentence. And the first month, he's got some health issues. The first month after he was released, he spent that time in the hospital trying to recover. And then shortly after that, one of my VOM coworkers went and visited with him and you know, he had the chance to talk to him. They call him Uncle Z in China. Uncle Z, you know, tell me about what was going on in the prison, tell me about everything. And, and Uncle Z said to my VOM coworker, he said, I want to thank you guys at Voice of the Martyrs for trying to get me out of prison. Because we'd had people writing letters to the Chinese officials, we'd had people calling the embassy in Washington, D.C. and saying, hey. Zhang Rongliang didn't do anything, he's not guilty, he's not a criminal, you should let him out of jail. Uncle Z said, I I want to thank you for trying to get me out of jail, but look at this quote, I'm glad you failed. I'm really glad that I got to serve my full seven-year sentence. How many of us would say that? But he went on to say that in the prison where he'd been held, there were 5,000 men, and Uncle Z was able to share the gospel with some of the men in his cell and in his circle. And they were, in turn, able to share the gospel with more. And they were, in turn, able to share the gospel with more. And pretty soon, all 5,000 men in that prison had had an opportunity to hear the gospel message and make a decision whether or not they wanted to follow Jesus Christ. When our Chinese brothers and sisters talk about prison ministry. That's what they mean. You get arrested, you go to prison, and you do ministry while you're there. I'm challenged by that because, you know, some of our churches do prison ministry. But if we put that in our bulletin this Sunday, how many people would come? You know, we're doing prison ministry on Saturday night. Bring a bag? How many people would come? But see, witnesses witness wherever they are. How many times have I tried to get out of a painful situation or tried to pray that God would release me from a painful situation? Instead of saying, okay, Lord, since I'm here anyway, What do you have for me to do? What are you trying to teach me? Who do you want to reach out to? Witnesses witness wherever they are. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. This is a brother named Fan in Laos. And I'm a pastor's son, so I grew up in the church. I have heard thousands of sermons, some at church, some at home, (laughs) you know. Now I'm a parent. I give sermons at home, too. This is Brother Fan in Laos, and he's from a little village up in the sticks. And he came to the capital city of Laos, a city called Vientiane. and he had heard that if you find a building with a cross on the top of it, they'll give you free rice. And so Brother Fan came to Vientiane. He was hungry. He saw a building with the cross, and he went in. They didn't give him free rice, but they gave him the gospel. And he accepted Christ, committed his life to follow Jesus Christ. And then he went back to his village. Okay, He had never been in a church before. This is the one and only sermon that he has heard in his lifetime. Then he went back to his village and won 16 families to Christ. More than 100 people came to know Jesus after Brother Fan heard one sermon. I mentioned I'd heard thousands. But I'm so convicted by this story because how often do I leave church on Sunday morning looking for someone that I can share what I just heard? hey, let me tell you the story that my pastor shared. But you see, witnesses let God use what they have, no matter how much it is, no matter how little it is. If it's one sermon, then they let God use one sermon, in Brother Fan's case, to change the lives of 16 families in Laos. I want to share another story about this. This is Steve and Mai. I met them about a year ago. Steve is from Washington State, and Mai is a, a part of the Black Thai tribe of Southeast Asia, Black Thai, T-A-I. Her family was refugees in Thailand back in the 1970s. They lived in a refugee camp. They eventually were, got out of that and came to America. And Mai told me, she said, you know, when we got on that plane to leave Thailand, I said, I will never come back to Southeast Asia. And I kind of smiled and said, God loves it when we tell him what we'll never do, doesn't he? (laughs) I just, be careful when you say I'll never do something. So Maya and her family came to America. They settled in Washington State. Eventually, she met Steve. They were high school sweethearts. They got married. They raised four kids. Steve was a tow truck driver. He owned a towing company up in Washington. And a couple years ago, a few years now, God started working on their hearts to go back to Southeast Asia to do ministry. And it, they went with the idea that they were going to minister to trafficked girls. And nothing worked out for them to do that ministry. Everywhere they turned, they ran into roadblocks and nothing would happen. And they just were banging their head against the wall. This is a guy who sold their home. He sold his towing business and they moved to Southeast Asia because that's what God wanted them to do. And now they were running into Roadblock after roadblock, and they're like, Lord, what is going on? They started making radio programs for the Black Thai people, for Mai's people. Now, Steve went online and taught himself radio editing, and he bought used equipment on eBay and had it shipped to Thailand, and they set up a little studio. Steve doesn't even speak the Black Thai language but he's editing these shows. They're putting them on FEBC, Far East Broadcasting. They're putting them online, and they start getting emails from Thailand and Laos and Vietnam and China and America and around the world. Thank you. We heard the gospel in our language. The radio people would come, and now that I'm a radio person, I can kind of make fun of them, but the radio people came to their house where they had the studio, and they went in the studio, and they looked up, and they said, this, this is completely wrong. You're not supposed to have the computer in the same room where you actually record, because you'll pick up the buzz, and those cables know that this is everything here. This is terrible, and then they listened to the audio, and it was so pure and perfect, and they said, these are professional sound engineers. They said, how did you get this from this? And Steve said, I don't know. I'm a tow truck driver. (laughs) But they are changing the hearts in at least five different countries because they were willing to let God use what they had. They were willing to go. They were willing to go online and figure out how to edit programs in a language that you don't speak and God is using that. Witnesses let God use what they have, no matter how much it is, no matter how little it is. They say, God, this is yours. You do whatever you want with it. Can we do that? Can we incorporate that? I want to share the story of Pastor Solyndra. This is Pastor Solyndra in Nepal, and I met him. He shared the story of one of the people in his church, who died. And the radical Hindus in their village, there there was like four Christian families out of this big village, mostly Hindu. Radical Hindus in the village came after this brother died, and they wanted to take his body and cremate it. Pastor Solyndra and a couple of his church members went to their home, and they were beaten by this mob of radical Hindus over this issue of whether they would allow them to cremate. This Christian's body. Now, I'm an American. I'm a little dense. So I said, Pastor Slender, now, you got to help me understand here because, see, that guy's already dead. You know, he was a Christian. So we know where he went after he died. So why would you take a beating over what's going to happen to his body? Pastor Slender said, You don't understand. You see, in the life of a Hindu, there are three significant milestones. You're born, you get married, and you die. And he said, if we let those Hindus take that body, go down to the riverbank and cremate it, everybody in our village is going to say, see, at the end, he was a Hindu. He said he was a Christian. Maybe he was a Christian for a little while, but when it came down to the end, look, they cremated him. He's a Hindu. But if we bury that body and put a tombstone in the ground, everyone's going to know that guy was a Christian. His family's going to know, see, our dad was a Christian. Our brother, our father, our grandfather, he was a Christian. Look, this is where he's buried. He wasn't a Hindu. He was a Christian. Here's the truth that I want to share with you from Solyndra's story. Witnesses leave a legacy. Witnesses leave a legacy. I want to share one more story about this. This is a picture of a grave on the island of Halmahera in Indonesia. And I was there about 10 years ago, and you can't really tell from this picture, but it's actually an empty grave. Because a little while before we were there, Radical Muslims had come across the island of Halmahera, and they had burned churches, and they had attacked Christians. We interviewed the widows of martyred Christians on Halmahera. But see, they weren't happy just to affect and attack the current church. This is the grave of the Dutch missionary couple that first came to the island of Halmahera with the gospel back in the 1850s. And these radical Muslims were so offended by this stain of Christianity that was on their island that they dug up the bones of this Dutch missionary couple and they burned them. Now, we're talking about witnesses leaving a legacy. Friends, I want to suggest to you that that's a pretty amazing legacy. If Satan is still mad about the way you lived your life 150 years after you die... Isn't that an amazing legacy? (laughs) I don't know what your legacy is going to be. Maybe it's a translation of the Bible. Maybe it's a Muslim one to Christ. Maybe it's your children and grandchildren impacted for the kingdom and ready to do damage and leave a 150-year legacy that Satan's going to be mad about. But witnesses leave a legacy. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. There's one more point that I want to leave with you. And I want to go back to Hussein's story. I wish I could share all of Hussein's story because it's really amazing. He got sent to prison, and he went to court, and in court, the judge actually helped him fill out his court documents. He went forward, and he handed them to the judge, and the judge said, oh no, this is wrong. You got to change this. You know, He did this all wrong. He fixes it, hands it back to Hussein, and he He actually gave him his cell phone number. He said, this is where you need to take these documents over to this department, and if they give you any trouble, here's my cell phone number. You just have them call me and I'll straighten it all out for you. (laughs) What? The Muslim judge with the big beard offering to fix things for the Christian? So here's what I want to leave you with, because at the end of our time together, I I told Hussein, I said, you know, you're going back to Iran. I'm going back to America. America you're going to do ministry. You're going to be involved in house church meetings and Bible studies. You're going to be sharing your faith with Muslims. You're probably going to get in trouble again. You're probably going to encounter the police again. So what's going to happen to you, my brother? What's going to happen to you? And this is what he said. I think one of two things will happen. They will either kill me or there will be more miraculous things happen that God keeps me alive. Like hands lifting me out of the water. Like the Muslim judge filling out my documents for me. And then he looked at me and he said, which one of those is bad? Is it bad if they kill me and I go to heaven? No. (laughs) I don't think any of us would complain about that. Is it bad if God does more of these absolutely mind blowing miracles and I get to watch him do it? No, no, that's not bad either. Which one of these is bad? This brings up the last point that I want to make. Witnesses leave the results up to God. You're familiar with the parable of the sower. You know, he's reaching in his bag and he's throwing seed. Our job is to be the sower. Our job is to spread the seed. God's job is the results. Our job is obedience. God's job is the results. Maybe you're going to live a long life of ministry, and you're going to die at the age of 98 in your bed, surrounded by your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And not to be morbid, but maybe you're going to die in a car accident on the way home from this meeting today. Are you ready? Maybe the next person that you share the gospel with is going to become a missionary to Somalia and win thousands of Muslims to Christ. Or maybe the next person you share the gospel with is going to punch you in the face. Are you ready? Our job is obedience, God's job is the results. Robert Thomas was the first missionary to Korea, the first Protestant missionary to Korea. His missionary career lasted about five minutes. He got off the boat, and he was killed on the beach. But he planted the seeds of the gospel in that nation. Several years ago, three men were killed in Turkey. Two Turkish Christians and a German Christian had their throats slit. Between them, they had two wives, and one of them was engaged. The two who were married had a total of five children. We look at that and we say, what a tragedy that those kids are going to grow up without a dad. What a tragedy that those wives are now widows. What a tragedy for that heartbroken fiance. But you know, the next day on national television in Turkey, those two widows forgave the men who killed their husbands. And I want you to understand this. This is a Muslim country on national television. The Muslim mindset is, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back harder. If you kill one of my children, well, then I'm going to kill two of yours. And here these ladies are, their husband's bodies barely even cold, and they're saying, we forgive the men who killed our husbands. They actually echoed the words of Christ on the cross, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. So we look at that and we see a tragedy of five kids without a dad, of two wives without a husband. But you know what a Muslim journalist in Turkey said about that? He said, Those two ladies did more for Christianity in Turkey than a thousand missionaries could have done in a thousand years. Our job is obedience, God's job is the results. Witnesses leave the results up to God. Our time is gone, but I want to review what we've talked about. Witnesses hear from God, like Hussein in that solitary confinement cell. Witnesses witness wherever they are, like Uncle Z in that prison with 5,000 men in China. Witnesses let God use what they have, no matter how much, no matter how little, like Brother Fan in that one sermon in Laos. Witnesses leave a legacy, like that Dutch missionary couple that Satan is still mad at. And finally, witnesses leave the results up to God. The Bible says, you will be my witnesses. That's a call, not just to our brothers and sisters in hostile and restricted nations, that's a call to us, American Christians, like me and you, You will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrs. This week, my challenge to you is simply that. Do it. Be his witnesses. When you walk out of here today, be his witnesses. In whatever environment, with whoever he brings across your path this week, share the love of Christ and be his witnesses. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this week on VOM Radio. I hope you've been encouraged to be His witness. Give me your feedback online at vomradio.net. You can also share this episode with your friends at vomradio.net. Remember to watch for a VOM conference in your area next year at vomevents.com. Come spend a day learning about the persecuted church. I promise you will be blessed. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.